0: Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun.
1: Brothers, sisters, gender resistors, welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. As you've already told, this week, episode 58 is not hosted by Don Van Damme. He continues to be absent, so we continue to miss him. It's not even going to be JCH, he's also absent. We haven't got Brum. he's also absent. We're down to the bones, but we've still managed to put together a three-man booth for you today. I'll be hosting Big Laddie Call, cool, Matt Connolly. And I, of course, have the boss, Ross Casey, with me. Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, mate. Very excited for my 50th show. <laughs> 50th show, of course. Yeah, the stats last time from JCH. This is my 39th, so I'm creeping up. Um, <laughs> further stating my dominance in second place. Uh, I was going to ask Bristol City transfer window, good or bad so far? So far, pretty good, mate. Lots of uh, free transfers from the lower leagues that are young, hungry players. Kane Wilson, who was in the team of the season for League Two. Mark Sykes, who got eight goals and eight assists in League One. And uh, Naismith, who was in the championship team of the year as well. So. Decent signings in, and managed to get Casey Palmer off the transfer wage earlier as well. So happy days. Yeah, see so your fans were delighted with that one in particular. Yeah, getting rid of Palmer. Unfortunately for him, I like him a lot as a player, but yeah, we didn't get, get enough out of him. So it's best that he's shot, especially with the uh, with that wage of his. I think it was near like twenty thousand. So you don't need that knocking about when you're only bringing in eighteen thousand per game. <laughs> That's WWE money right there. Uh, let's let's try and bring it back to wrestling somehow, because uh, I'm sure me and Ross could go 90 minutes on uh, Bristol City and what they've done right and wrong in the window so far. But we also have another guest with us today. This might be a second appearance. It could be a third, if I'm mistaken. Josh, how are you, Hi, my man?
0: I'm all right, thank you. I, I don't think I've even hit five, so I'm very much the wheelie uter to your guys, John Moxley and Brian Danielson in this. So I'm hoping <laughs> you'll uh, show me the
1: ropes. <laughs> Well, a lot of people were very high on wheelie, so that's not a bad comparison to be made. <laughs>
0: well, I'll take that. I'll take that.
1: And is that an Inter Milan shirt you're sporting?
0: It is a 90s Inter Milan shirt with Ronaldo on the back. So. Oh, of
1: course. Classic. Yes. Yeah. Just trying to bring everything back to football, which is probably a sign of how much wrestling I've watched. But it doesn't matter because I'm, <laughs> I'm hosting, so I don't need to have watched all the wrestling. And lucky these two guys have probably watched a bucket full of stuff. We haven't got a call-up sheet this week, but what we have got is, I'm told, a very Very fun game. game. And when has Ross ever let us down (laughs) in the past? So let's (laughs) get on with the fun game. Really interested to know what uh, Phil's come up with as the jingle for that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, this is basically higher or lower based on Twitter Follows. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm going to name a wrestler, and you have to say higher or lower. I've got 20 here, so put them into uh, groups of 10. So who wants to go first, and like, you'll get a point if you get it right, and you'll get nothing if you don't? Josh is the less regular member, so I think it's only fair he goes first. Yeah,
0: I could do with the help, to be fair.
1: Okay, perfect. So, first up, we've got Leah Rush, who's got 89,000 followers. Higher or lower? Low key. Ooh.
0: I'm going to go based upon Leo's recent, in the past few years, TV. I'm going to go low key's got less, so lower.
1: That's one point to you, Josh. 77,000 compared to Leo Rush's 89,000. 77,000. Higher or lower? Willie Mac? Oh, I think Willie Mac is also lower than low key. 40,000 correct one one. Poor really, <laughs> <laughs> Maria Canellis. Higher or lower than 40,000?
0: Uh, I think I fo- follow Maria Canellis, so I'm gonna say higher.
1: <laughs> Maria Canellis is higher with a huge amount. Maria Canellis has herself 459,000 followers.
0: She's quite the follow, by the way, not just for the obvious, but she's got some uh. Some pretty strong opinions on things. And yeah, she's, she's a very good follow.
1: <laughs> I remember doing a, a round similar to this in the quiz once, Ross, uh, during yeah. the lockdown. And the thing with this is, you have to give a tax to any female wrestler for perfect.
0: I was literally, yeah, I was thinking the same. I was like, if he says a woman, I'm just going to say hi straight away.
1: You can never underestimate. I remember there was a point when I think the two most followed active wrestlers in WWE were Lana and Mandy Rose. <laughs> <laughs> not the wrestling fans are predictable or anything and I'm sure it was because they're both excellent bell to bell
0: but still. yeah yeah Lana's fantastic
1: okay so 459 Maria Matt next up Gail Kim <sighs> Ooh, Gail Kim's got longevity much like Maria as well actually and she was in a more prominent position in a company that was popular Um I'm going to say Gail Kim is lower. Correct. But only just 440,000 and Gail Kim as well. Yeah, I don't know about Gail Kim's social media, but that's quite an impressive number. Absolutely.
0: I think I've got her muted still on Twitter.
1: Ouch. <laughs> Josh Heady hates women. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I love women. Women are great.
1: Gail Kim, 440k. Eric Bischoff. Higher or lower, Josh?
0: That's got to be high, surely. He's, he's really well known.
1: It's actually lower. 294k. Oh, ah, I am shocked. Matt, to go in the lead. Rebby Hardy. Higher or lower than 294? These are working out quite difficult, I think. Um, I'm going to gamble on lower. Correct. 103k. Oof, that's lower than I thought. That's... Three two to Matt's currently. Next up, TJ Perkins. Higher or lower than one hundred
0: and three k? I'm gonna go for lower.
1: Incorrect. One hundred twenty one k. Oh my lord! Why would anyone care about TJ Perkins? <laughs> Hot takes coming from Josh. On this game. <laughs> Next up, Tyler Breeze. Oh, now surely Tyler Breeze has a higher social media following than TJP. Surely. I'm going higher. Correct. 377,000. Yeah, it's a little bit higher than I thought, but I'm still not surprised he's high. 4-2 to Matt. Next up, Josh Alexander. Higher or lower?
0: Um, I'd like to think the Impact World Champion is more popular socially than someone WWE let go. So I'm going to go higher.
1: Mate, way off. He's only got 37,000. Really? The lowest so far is the Impact oh, World Champion. Impact? He's got, got less Mac. than Willie Mack. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Mack's got 3,000 more followers. Oh. That's incredible.
0: Follow Josh Alexander on Twitter, everyone. He's he's really good.
1: <laughs> Maybe, is he a good follow or has he just got dry content?
0: I mean, he posts lots of pictures of his... um. Of his son wearing, you know, like the gimmick where he wears like the headgear and stuff, and
1: that's oh, that quite fun.
0: Nice. Yeah, that yeah. sounds adorable.
1: Wholesome content. Poor follows. Marie, <laughs> jealous, <laughs> lots of follows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thirty-seven thousand Matt, to beat. we are Dragonov. Oh, just just because the numbers are so low, I think Dragonov must be higher. Incorrect. Mm. What? Dragunov's only got 30,000 follows. So the UK champion has even less prestige. <laughs> <laughs> That's 4-2. That's math. actually mad that Dragonov's that low. 30,000 Dragonov, Josh, Aussie Opens, Carl Fletcher. Ooh. I mean, they've been kind of everywhere, haven't they? So I'm going to guess higher, but I'm not confident at all. Josh, it's, it's another miss. <sighs> Carl Fletcher's lagging on eleven thousand. Carl Fletcher's below. Wrestling should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> People need to sort that out. They really need to sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, NXT UK GM Johnny Saint, eleven k to beat higher or lower. That's actually tough because I, <sighs> Carl Fletcher. I mean. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to gamble. I'm going to say Johnny Saint has more. Higher. It's incorrect. He's only on oh. 9,000. On 9,000 9, for Johnny Saint. Johnny! <laughs> <laughs> so we're four to go, the game's still on. Josh two, Matt 4. Can <laughs> Josh beat 9,000 Johnny Saint with Nick Aldis? That's
0: got to be higher, surely. <laughs> Although I don't know anymore. <laughs>
1: a not confident guess of higher, and you're right. It's one hundred eighty-five thousand. Brings you into one of Matt, unless he can close it again. One hundred Nicaldis. Carlito. Oh, hmm. Now, do WWE stars of the noughties hold good Twitter follows? I don't know. Um. I'm going to gamble and say Carlito's higher. It's incorrect, mate. It's 4-2. Three to go, and it's 4-3. What a game. Well, I suppose Carlito's (laughs) never helped. How many pounds of gold is it that Aldis had for about three decades? (laughs) Higher or lower than Carlito? 152,000. Aubrey Edwards? Uh, Hmm.
0: I'll go higher,
1: mate. So unlucky. One five one to one five two. She's just lower. Oh, that's tough. Higher or lower than one five one? Thunder Rosa. I'll go higher. Correct. One nine two. Five three. Two to go. So you need to get this right, Josh. Pressure. 192,000 to beat Orange Cassidy.
0: Uh, I mean, I find Orange Cassidy more entertaining than Thunder Rosa. I'm not sure if... Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go higher.
1: Correct. 204,000. You're still in the game. 4-5 to Matt. Matt's penultimate one. Higher or lower than Orange Cassidy? d Dudley. And what was the Orange Casty number again? 204K. 204. Devon Dudley. Yeah. The less controversial Dudley. Yeah. The one that's not <laughs> on the radio all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to say more people are interested in the life of Orange Casty. So I'm going to say Devon Dudley is lower. It leaves the game open. It's higher. 323K. Mm, you are having a laugh. <laughs> Third of a million people are like, I wonder what Devon Dudley's up to. (laughs) That's insane. So that puts us on four five to Matt with just two to go. Three two three to beat. Next up, Ricochet. Oh, Ricochet's
0: got to be higher. Higher? Yeah, higher. Got to be higher.
1: Correct. Three six five, which leaves it on this shot. No pressure then. Love it. Saka <laughs> steps up. Saka steps up.
0: Don't. Too soon. Too soon, still.
1: <laughs> and the one to beat is <laughs> you, you're going to love this. Robbie Brookside. <laughs> what? Really? God's <laughs> sake. Oh,
0: well. There's some match fixing gone on there.
1: I'm pretty sure, as much as he seems a lovely bloke, that Robbie Brookside is lower. For extra points, can you guess what he's got? Um, yeah, I reckon we're looking low here. What was Johnny saying was nine. Yeah. Robbie Brookside can only be about 25-30. You're not far off. 36k, a decent effort, I'd say, for, for Brookside. Got that little yeah. breaking ground, Rob. <laughs> so with a win with Robbie Brookside, Matt Connolly, Arsenal finally won a penalty shootout. <laughs> success, a success. How do you think that game went down? I think that was all right. I quite enjoyed that. There was, a, there was some tension. There was some uh, some funny numbers for certain people. What <laughs> was the most surprising number for you? Dragunov for me.
0: Yeah, I feel sorry for him and uh, Josh Alexander. Pushed on TV, but social media does not care.
1: Willie <laughs> Mack's done really well when you can sit uh, That's 40k for Willie Mack, 30k for the NXT UK champion.
0: <laughs> Madness, isn't it? I think 30k is about how many people watch NXT UK as well.
1: Woo! We're coming to hot takes.
0: <laughs> sorry, Ross. I'm sorry.
1: Where's Willie Mack get the followers from? What promotion has he grabbed that from? Lucha Underground. Yeah, because like Josh Alexander's been positioned above him in Impact for the last couple of years. I think something. it must be Lucha Underground. I think. Yeah. There you go, Lucha Underground, Rub. Absolutely. <laughs> that was the fun game. <laughs> Well, thanks for that, Ross. That was a lot of fun. Let's talk about what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. So I managed to watch a couple of things this week, but probably won't be able to talk in as great a detail as our other two people on the panel. Josh, seeing as your our guest today. Uh, what caught your eye in wrestling this week? As
0: you guys might know, it's been a pretty crappy time to be a wrestling fan recently, but I watched a quite thoroughly entertaining show, uh, Dynamite this week, which I just thought top to bottom was really, really good. Not just as a show, but it had some some good wrestling, which you don't often see on weekly shows. It tends to be just like stuff happens, but there was actually some really good matches on Dynamite this week. A standout? I think it's got to be Osprey and Dax. I thought that, as a wrestling match, that was... I mean, it's amazing that Dax Harwood is having, probably his breakout year, having been in the business like a decade.
1: <laughs> he's getting a chance to really shine on his own at the moment. I'm, I'm loving that. What impresses me more about him than, we know he's got this kind of beat-em-up style, like in the mould of the Andersons and everything, and he's great at that. That shot we hit on Osprey in the corner will be felt I for am. about another month, right? But yeah. what I, feel I find even more impressive is how he sold for Ospreay. Um It'd be very easy for him to kind of no sell and just be a tough guy. But I felt like he, he bumped his ass off. And I know he's been doing that as well. And it's not a surprise, but it would have been easier for him to have been the tough man here. And I felt like he made Osprey look a million dollars. Ross, did you also love it? Yeah, I loved it. find it really funny that like so many people online get angry about Will Ospreay. People surely know that he's existed for the last 10 years or whatever, but... Now that he's on prime time with AEW, it seems as if everyone now knows who he is and certain people, bloody hell, get so upset about his his style of work. And I just don't get it. I really don't understand how you can't accept that Will Ospreay is a good wrestler.
0: I think a lot of people still think of the, um, the famous Ricochet clip that did the rounds a few years back. And I don't know how much you guys have watched Will in the last couple of years in particular, but he's like... Not completely different, but he's a very different wrestler to what he was when he first started. He's much more of a, I, want, I don't want to say a brawler, but he's a lot more aggressive and less, still flippy a bit, but not as flippy as he was. And I just think he's a much better all-round in-ring performer at, at the moment than he was, say, a few years ago.
1: Yeah, big time. And obviously his body frame helps that. He comes across like a middleweight rather than a cruiserweight, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I can pinpoint the month where it changed for me because I wasn't necessarily one of these people on the internet whinging about him, but his style in Japan and stuff would sometimes frustrate me that it was a bit, for the lack of a better word, dancy. But that was on me. You know, not every wrestler can tick your boxes. I still enjoyed Osprey. I enjoyed his matches. He just wasn't the wrestler in my eyes that other people perceived him to be. But the feud with Kota Ibushi, where he moved up to the Neverweight title, had a really interesting month where in the show before their match at Wrestle Kingdom, the main takeaway was that brilliant bit of camera work where Osprey did a flip off the top rope, landed on his feet, looked over his shoulder, and Kotobushi looked mesmerised that Osprey had landed on his feet. And it was this, this flippy move that Osprey had done so perfectly. And then two weeks later, they had the match at, at Wrestle Kingdom where Osprey actually, whether it was a work or shoot, concussed Ibushi with that vicious elbow <laughs> that he does now. And that was me, that Ospreay Bushi match was where the style slightly changed and he became a bit more of a killer. And I don't know if that was just me where I hadn't been paying attention or if that was the moment. But from there, like you say, he's bulked up and it's undeniable that he is at, even if you're not a fan, at base level, he's a very good wrestler now. Um, Whether he's still your cup of tea, or not like you say, that can be up to people. But yeah, it's a bit sad that people still tag him with the flippy stuff because that's such a small part of what makes him great now. Yeah. And this match against Dax in particular, absolutely brilliantly paced started off kind of fairly slow paced and back and forth and Dax was in control. And that was the reason for that. Then it kind of just exploded into a lot of what Osprey's matches do become Um, a kind of real back and forth with exciting moves and good chemistry and close kickouts. And yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. In terms of showing off who Will Osprey is, did a far better job than the trios match because obviously it's a singles match and it's, a lot easier to have a real kind of paced match rather than a bit of a cluster in a trios but i thought the trio was good as well but in terms of just showcasing osprey i thought it was brilliant and you mentioned uh, josh that it's been a bit of a breakout year for dax and when you look back at some of the matches that he's had this year with likes so of that match against pack on um dynamite which was amazing also got the tag team matches themselves that he's been doing and you include the briscoes match in that obviously which was amazing yeah. Um, and the match that he had against Cash on Dynamite just a few weeks ago in that kind of like tribute Bret Hart match. Yeah. Um, yeah, like he's just having an, an absolutely stellar year and he must be loving life. And it's quite funny that obviously they put him against uh, Osprey because Dax kind of personifies what the Jim Cornette fans feel a wrestler should be. And the yeah. fact that, that he went in there and he had an Osprey match, he didn't have a Dax match, must have made them absolutely pissed off, which, which just makes me laugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'll probably touch on it when we talk about the main event of dynamite the ladder match but in my eyes i think this ftr thing kind of ends and i think we're kind of getting there but i think it ends with a the rubber match against the box for like literally every tag belt you can think of on pay-per-view i think anyway and i just think given the year or the last few months that ftr have had i just think it'd be a really great moment for them to get like the ultimate win and just have all these titles because i just think they're both exceptional wrestlers
1: yeah yeah big time have you missed mjf since he's been gone on dynamite i wouldn't say miss i just like i don't
0: know i don't know if, it, if i'm kind of at a point now where like the work shoot stuff is kind of like overshadowing it a bit not that it's a bit too much but i just don't know anymore <laughs> like i don't he, he could show up in a week he could show up in a few months I can't say I've noticed too much and I think that's you could say that a lot about AEW when you think at any one time like last week for example there was no Punk there was no Danielson there was no MJF Kenny's not been here for like nine months and I think this Dynamite in particular was like such a good variety show like there were so many different types of matches on this show and I think that's just a testament to the roster that they've built over there yeah big time yeah yeah
1: Did you enjoy the uh, Wardlow against twenty plaintiff? <laughs>
0: I was very much looking forward to it and then when it came down to it I wasn't really sure what it was gonna look like. They didn't really clarify if like he's got to pin twenty guys. So I was expecting thoroughly like it to be one after the other and I was gonna see twenty power bombs. But um no, I mean it it, it was good to see Wardlow power bomb a load of people and, and get another rub, but I'm more looking forward to him moving on to the, the TNT title because that championship needs some therapy for sure.
1: Yes, definitely. You have to assume that Wardlow is going to win that title, right? Which, to me, like, it just makes it the kind of... It obviously adds to the hot potato-ness of that title. But also, if they do put it on Wardlow, that's when it's going to stay on someone for a long time, right? Because I feel a bit like he's going to hold that until he's ready for the world title a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, the comparisons to Bill Goldberg. I mean, Bill Goldberg won the US title in WCW and before he won the world title. And I just see this as like Wardlow's chance to have like a a training go. You know, he's, he's clearly going to be a top guy in the future, but I think this, if he wins the TNT title and he can hold it for a bit and he can face different types of people and stuff. Yeah. I just think it's a good like practice run for him, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. I think it's really interesting how they're booking Wardlow, because I've said on this podcast previously that booking monsters is really hard. Because, yeah. Because because people get bored really easily in wrestling anyway. Mm. And when you've got a monster who you can't hurt or beat, it gets a bit boring after a while. And obviously, we've seen it through the years with, with different people. WWE did a fairly good job of it with Braun Strowman. With yeah. Like all the, the ways that he would tip kind of lorries and things and, and yeah. all that sort of fun stuff that would happen on Raw. And Wardlow has been booked really well. Yeah. I think now that he's kind of done with MJF and he's an actual AW wrestler, and if you book him, like you say, with the title as like a secondary title holder and going through everyone, it's gonna be cool. But how long do people just enjoy that? And it's gonna be interesting to see if they're gonna enjoy it enough to want to see him do it with the world title.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think for whatever people want to say about WCW, in my opinion, the one of the better things they did was build Bill Goldberg, from start to beating Hulk Hogan. I mean, the stuff after that is, I mean, it's classic WCW, but I think AEW could learn a lot from, like you said, from WWE with Braun and other examples of how to do stuff right.
1: Yeah, I think that they've done it perfectly so far with with Wardlow. I just think it's going to be interesting now that he's done with the MGF storyline. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see where he goes with it because even like CM Punk is now the champion technically. Like, even when he was in that match against CM Punk, it was just an absolute pulverization of CM Punk. Yeah.
0: But there was, like I was gonna say, there was um, quite a lot of variety on this show. I mean, Jericho Ortiz opened and it was really good, but the one memory I have was, I can't remember the that moment, but there was an absolutely incredible near fall where people really thought Jericho was gonna shave his hair.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which would have been nuts, I remember that kick out. It was incredible from Jericho. Yeah, amazing. Was
0: I it mean, we all knew. Fist?
1: Yeah, it when so. Kingston did the back fist. I yeah, I think so. Yeah,
0: yeah. But even that, like, I thought they did a really good job in in making us believe for a second that Jericho was going to lose. And I really like the finish as well because we get to boo Sammy Guevara for real now. Like, <laughs> he's definitely definitely a heel this time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and it makes a spot available to leave. JAS and from what we saw where Garcia wasn't exactly happy to see him join surely that's going to be the kind of payoff there and you assume potentially Garcia may join the Black Ball club yeah yeah Yeah, they're already putting little feelers out for that and that makes a lot more sense really so yeah happy with all that stuff another good dynamite really enjoyed it I saw that the ratings weren't amazing but what do ratings matter to wrestling fans really
0: yeah exactly we We got Miro beating someone up. We got a great ladder match. We got Tanahashi. We got a great couple of matches elsewhere. So, yeah, nothing to moan about from my point of view. How about
1: you, Matt? It sounds like you actually watched the show. Yeah, yeah. I think the Osprey match was my favourite, but I did also like Jericho's promo and him referencing how he'd beaten the shit out of Shota Umino in front of his dad before. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. That was a really uh, fun section.
0: I quite like Tanahashi telling Jericho to shut up as well. That was really funny. <laughs> thought his delivery was amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool seeing like the Japanese stars, um, are, uh, The clunky way that Desperado and Lance Archer just wandered in because they needed for the feud. <laughs> Why not? So Suzuki's in the six-man at Forbidden Door.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's wrestling Eddie Kingston and John Moxley's kids, Shota and uh,
1: Willy Uta, yeah. And El Desperado... Travelled all the way as a favour for that beatdown. <laughs> in, ke- in kayfabe. In kayfabe, Jericho needed El Desperado yeah. to help him with a beatdown. Of all the people in
0: Suzuki-gun, that's who he went for.
1: Yeah, I think if, he, if that, that was the only job needed. He could have brought over a, a dookie for that. <laughs> he Didn't need to go with a... I don't know who's got the junior belt, but Desperado had it this year at some point. I think it's uh, Ishimori now because in today's show, did you see that kushida came back
0: i did see that yeah awesome i didn't know this good for him
1: yeah well you know if you can't handle von wagner get back to japan (laughs) (laughs) wrestle guys your size
0: (laughs) before we move on from dynamite can i just give a shout out to the long-awaited great execution of the uh christian heel turn of course yeah 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 which i've been waiting for for the longest time um and it finally happened so yeah i'm very much looking forward to uh dickhead Christian again. For sure,
1: yeah. Very well done and I'm glad he's going to get a single spotlight again rather than just knocking about with uh, those lads. (laughs) What was it that he called? Jungle Boy said his mum and his sister were in the front row and he called, and did he say something like you raised a shithead or something like that?
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Something like that,
1: yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Do you think that um, they've told a pretty good story there in terms of obviously Jungle Boy was the one that eliminated Christian in that battle royal years ago? And then, like the idea, I guess, is that he's wanted to get revenge from that, and he played this like really dastardly long game to like get him trusted, and then yeah. and then put them in all like he was kind of like booking them in all these matches that yeah. were like punishing, and then eventually lost the titles, and then
0: it's one of those if you if you've been watching every show, you kind of appreciate it even more because, like you said, Ross, you pick up on those small things like when he kind of volunteered them for the ladder match, for example, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I'm just excited to see Christian get a big spot again.
1: Yeah, he's certainly been on the back burner, which for his health is a good thing, because obviously he retired for a reason, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: At least he didn't come out and cost them the match. He did the gentlemanly thing and waited until they'd actually lost before turning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice little um, nod as well to his past with the concerto. I was into it.
0: Yeah, brilliant spot. All good stuff.
1: I just wanted to quickly touch base on uh, the Trent Seven Hilton. I don't know if you guys watched it.
0: I tuned into this clip in particular because I kind of had an inkling of what was coming, so I wanted to see how they did it. And I thought it was great. Thought it was really, really well done.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that obviously Trent turned on the waterworks. Kind of his <laughs> voice was um, cracking at certain points, and he really, like, he really captured that um, audience with his like way of talking to the point where they were kind of shutting up from chanting his name and wanting to listen to what he wanted to say. And he was really choked up and was saying how, like he kind of like named all of the brilliant times that he's had as a NXT UK wrestler, and including the Albert Hall that we were there for and all this sort of stuff. Then he brought out Tyler Bate and he basically, like he didn't say it, but he basically was implying that it was the end for him. And he basically thanked Tyler and gave him a hug like face to face and the crowd obviously who have been following this storyline for some time now, and it's kind of been on the cards for a while um, that Trent has lost his moral compass. We're kind of obviously waiting for it to happen. And they were like, don't do it. Don't do it. And it was brilliant because he didn't do it. Then he then let Tyler Bate go to the ropes and face the fans in like showing a bit of um, tears in his eyes. And then when he walked backwards, Tyler grabbed him from behind in a hug and it was quite a nice little moment. And then it was when he dropped to his knees and gave him the low blow, the burning hammer, and then uh, put his foot on his chest and gave the mustache mountain taunt over the top <laughs> of him. So it was absolutely brilliant. It's been a long time coming that storyline. And it's something that I think NXT UK need to do a little bit more of that long-term storytelling. Cause they do an amazing job at telling these real short stories of three, four episodes, but this sort of thing they need to tell you more of and, and it's pretty clear that it's worked because the amount of people that are tweeting about it, like that's probably why you heard about it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd heard that they'd lost the titles and then they kind of promoted, like they teased what was the future for mustache mountain. Cause I think you might be able to guide me in the right way, but didn't they say something like, or someone, one of them say, I think it might've been Trent. If they lost the titles,
1: they yeah, weren't yeah, sure
0: what was yeah. going to be next for mustache mountain. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay, they've lost the titles and let's see what happens and stuff. Cause obviously with the other NXT, um, <laughs> you never know when someone's just going to be like shipped over to, the, you know, the other side of the pond. So I was like, okay, is, is one of them going to go over there? Are they just going to, you know, I, I didn't know what they were going to do. So I was quite interested to see. And then I heard that they were going to have a match. I was like, okay, because obviously it's, you know, tapes and stuff. So I was like, I'll, I'll tune in. And yeah, I just thought, as you said, the the segment was really well executed. And I felt like the crowd was totally invested. And in a, like a smaller venue like that, getting the crowd invested can be can be really tricky. You've really got to own your craft really well. And yeah, I think Trent and Tyler selling it did, did a great job.
1: This is probably a bit of a stretch, but I would love for the payoff to this being at Clash at the castle.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think the majority would be into it. I think a, a subsection would be for sure, but I, I, maybe be different, but I'm kind of haunted by... I'm not sure if you guys remember, but do you remember many years ago, Raw was in Manchester and Kurt Angle bought Pete Dunne out as a surprise? Yeah. So I was actually at that show and I went crazy, but I want to say the majority of the Manchester arena didn't really. So, I mean, I'd like to think this Castles show would have a lot more in the know type fans, but no, I mean, they could like, if they did a pre-show or whatever, or I think they could do something like that at a minimum.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. I don't know if you caught it, Matt. I've seen the, the clip floating around social media, but I, I didn't watch the episodes. But whenever they do have a blow-off... Phrasing. ...I'll be interested. It's just a shame, like you say, whether it is Clash of the Castle, maybe that's too big for them. I just wish there was a, an NXT UK event for them to uh, blow it off at properly. Phrasing. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully they take the time a bit in terms of the tapings and, and what have you. And we just get Trent avoiding Tyler until the big show, whether that be a takeover or... Clash at the Castle that, that's my hope anyhow and then on Raw I don't know if you saw last night there was a um, real fun <laughs> stuff happening on, on Raw I think Raw's on a roll recently I've really enjoyed Raw the Ezekiel and Elias stuff is absolutely out, so much fun yourself. so much fun they did the classic three faces of Foley where they filmed um, them separately and managed to them on the same screen then you had Elias doing his concert in the ring with a fake beard <laughs> on lies. Oh, lies! you had then Owens coming out saying I know it's you then they had Ezekiel on the big screen during it and then <laughs> um, he gets hit with the with the instrument and then it cuts to a scene backstage which is obviously pre-taped <laughs> where Owen comes through the curtain and he's holding his back from being struck and he's interviewed almost immediately. And he's saying that this is ridiculous. And he sits down and then <laughs> Zeke <laughs> is there to greet him. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and then he starts to talk about There's like, there's probably his younger brother Elrod. So there's actually three faces of um, <laughs> Elias now, which is amazing. And Apparently, next week, it's either Elrod, Elias, or Zeke against uh, Kevin Owens. And yeah, it's just so much fun. Brilliant. Loads of great fun. At the top of the card, with all the injuries and what have you, we've got this really fun story with the kind of downfall of Becky Lynch, which I think is an amazing storyline. Um, obviously, she lost the title at WrestleMania in a brilliant match. But she's still, in her mind, is Big Time Beck. She's still the champion in her mind. She's still just as good as all these wrestlers in her mind. But the reality is that she keeps on losing. And, yeah, she's got excuses for all of them. Some of them valid, some of them not so. But the storyline of her just kind of steadily losing losing grip of her reality of what she thinks she is and what she currently is is a brilliant storyline. And I've seen people on Twitter replying to our tweets, praising it, saying oh my God, they've just told this same story for like so long now. And it's like, mate, it's literally been less than three months. Let the story breathe. (laughs) So yeah, where this goes, ultimately, there's been talk about WrestleMania that you could turn face and face Ronda. But I actually think I would keep her as a heel and have her against Ronda personally, because that's different to what they did last time. But WWE go back to the well all the time. So I imagine it will (laughs) be as you predicted, Josh. And this is like the start of her babyface turn where she hits rock bottom and you actually feel sorry for her. Um, But this is exactly what they should be doing with wrestlers who feel oversaturated. Give them something (laughs) new. How oversaturated were we with the likes of Randy Orton doing the same old stuff all the time? Yeah, Roman Reigns doing the same old stuff all the time. Give them a fresh coat of paint and they become an entirely different entity. And that's what's happening at the moment with Becky Lynch. Yeah, she lost, but she was the focus at at the end. It's a bit shit for Asuka that she won the match and the focus wasn't on her, but they're telling the bigger story with Becky Lynch. And yeah, I think Raw at the moment is actually really, really fun. That's even with Cody being out.
0: Yeah, I mean, firstly, I had two things written down for Raw and it was Ezekiel and Becky Lynch. I just think for different reasons at the start, I mean, this Ezekiel thing was questionable, but somehow, credit to Kevin Owens and credit to Ezekiel and Elias as well. Credit to all three of them. I just think this has been really, really fun. And the segment last night was absolutely... Like, WWE sometimes do really bad, bad comedy. But this was really funny. Really, really funny. And I totally agree with you as well on Becky. Because I originally thought, oh God, she lost again. Why are they beating Becky Lynch again? But no, I totally agree with you. I think... It's just something different for a really good performer who's done different things in the past. And yeah, sure, you could run back the man character, but I think they got the most out of that anyone could possibly get. And I'm really enjoying this different side of Becky Lynch. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, you know, continuing to evolve. And also, as well, as you said, I have watched a lot more Raw stuff than I have SmackDown purely because I wanted to watch Cody, basically. And as a byproduct, I've seen a lot more of Raw. And I agree with you. It just seems a lot like I don't know if this makes but like a lot more freer. Like there's a lot more different stuff happening on Raw, whereas SmackDown feels very formulaic and the same over and over and over again. But no, yeah, Raw was really fun, which is weird to say because Raw used to be like the worst show in existence. But yeah, it, it does seem really good and really fun, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how everyone develops. Bit tricky without a world champion, but I think without even without that, they're doing pretty well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Speaking of the world champion, I thought you had a pretty good match on Friday night.
0: Yeah, Um, do you know what? I had the one good thing I had for SmackDown, because I did actually watch SmackDown this week for a couple of reasons. One reason I don't really want to talk about, but yeah, Riddle versus Roman was really good. Really, really good stuff. The after I wasn't too overjoyed with, but
1: that's a different story. That's um, another interesting storyline that that they're telling now with um, Riddle in terms of... He, like, earned himself a shot at Reigns. He, like, put his stakes on the line, saying that he wouldn't go for it again on SmackDown if um, he loses. He lost. He then gets some promo time on Raw. And on Raw, he was, like, like, he wasn't the riddle that you know and love. He was kind of downbeat and upset and sad and admitted that, like, he felt like he let his fans down and his best mate Randy down by not beating Reigns. And he had his um, his signifier injury with with the taped ribs, which I absolutely <laughs> love. Um, and then he had to fight Omos in a match. And I thought that match was like fun, but like what it was. And he did a great job of selling for Omos. Then he yep. lost that match. Then Seth Rollins came out to rub salt in the wounds and beat him up after that as well. And it feels a bit like they're really giving Riddle a lot of time. And they're making him a bit more than just a kind of a stoner now, which is really good to see. And the fact that he's losing matches and he's sympathetic is, yeah. is a great thing for him because sometimes with his character, he does come across a bit like a bozo and you don't really care about his feelings beyond just, yeah, yeah he's like kind of fun to watch. So he's getting yeah. layers to him now as well. So, yeah, loving it. Is it too
0: obvious to say that long down the line, it's going to be Orton coming back and turning on him?
1: Is that too obvious? Like months and months down the line? I don't see anything wrong with stuff being obvious. Like, yeah. Like, my favourite storyline in the past few years in wrestling has been the Adam Page thing. Yeah. And we all knew it was going to happen. Mm. And it just had to get there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with getting there, you know? Like, how many times did New Japan drop the ball with Naito to the point where people didn't oh, even Christ! once he did I was, it? Like, I was
0: losing my mind with that. <laughs>
1: You know, like, I don't think that, that there's anything wrong with the really, obvious sometimes in, in wrestling. Yeah. How about you, Matt? What was your thoughts on the main event of SmackDown? Enjoy it? Yeah, just, just nothing out of the ordinary. Just I thought a really good match and I really enjoyed it. I watched SmackDown for the first time in a while and thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, this is wrestling should be fun, but not massively enthused with the direction of another Roman Brock match as much as I love both guys in the ring. <laughs> but I do agree with the storytelling of Riddle. They're building him up there. As a KFED question, if you now are Riddle and you cannot go for the title whilst Roman's holding it, does this sort of make Money in the Bank and Royal Rumble pointless? Or are you playing the waiting game hoping that Roman loses that title? Yeah, exactly. So, for example, I guess Riddle could play a part in Brock beating him, potentially. If he were to win Money in the Bank, he can't win it. He can't cash in unless Roman loses the belt. So well, the Money um, in the Bank's actually but then, useless. But, yeah, But, like, like Riddle has lost his match now anyway so he's not in it but um, oh right okay but I just mean that like in the main event at SummerSlam he could help Brock win which not only will hurt Reigns but also he's been after this match with Brock for years right
0: yes, yeah he literally talks all the time about wanting to retire Brock
1: Lesnar and Bill Goldberg <laughs> literally all the time <laughs> so perhaps the match then is Brock Riddle which could be fun
0: oh my god that'd be amazing I would be happy to see Brock Lesnar against literally anybody but Roman Reigns
1: yeah and storyline-wise, Roman took out Orton, so you've got Orton Reigns on the back as well. So, so when Orton's back, you've got that as well. Yeah, definitely. So that takes away the 4,000th time that <laughs> the Reigns have to fight each other. <laughs> I, did, I remember saying on this podcast that they were going to go to the Brockwell at some point because of the amount of top stars they've had out. But yeah, I'm sure the match will be good. Yeah, it's the last man standing, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a yeah. new stipulation. Yeah, so it's slightly new i guess <laughs> do we move on to the old round table let's ever felt like this so uh do we have two round tables planned this week ross yeah um one's a fairly quick one but one is a bit of a deep dive with josh's one if you want to test your on josh
0: yeah, so I basically wanted to ask, because obviously this is wrestling should be fun. So I was like, okay, let's look glass half full. So it's not a specific question, but I'm just wondering if you two guys have got anyone in particular who comes to mind when you think of people who get a bit too much hate and, you know, are unpopular for not no reason, but you just think they're great. My one is actually Brock Lesnar, because I think Brock Lesnar, when he's at full throttle, is one of the best wrestlers in WWE. And... I think his masterpiece was his role in the the Rumble match that Drew won. I think anyone who watches that and doesn't think Brock Lesnar is tremendous everything that professional wrestling embodies doesn't know what they're on about because I thought he came in, he presented himself as a monster and most importantly of all, he made Drew McIntyre look like an absolute, you know, god. I think when Brock Lesnar wants to go, he can have amazing matches. Unfortunately, this is really badly timed because he just seems to face Roman Reigns 5,000 times. But yeah, I've always thought Brock Lesnar is, is just great. And I get why people might not like him based upon previous title reigns and he does the same move over and over again. But in those matches that he doesn't, like he had a great one with Seth at a SummerSlam. He's had a good one with Finn, with AJ Styles, with Daniel Bryan. I think when Brock's at full throttle, I think he's great. So I'm very much looking forward to Brock Lesnar against literally anyone but Roman Reigns. But yeah, I'm just wondering if you guys have anyone who comes to mind when you think of people who get a bit too much hate.
1: Hmm. Ross, anyone coming to mind? I think from back when, um, someone who gets a lot of hate, who doesn't necessarily want it, and that's based upon the fact that he got a Hall of Fame ballot when he probably didn't warrant it, is Coco Beware. I think he's really underrated. I think he did a great job in like the territories and then he did an even better job in WWF was like the undercard guy that was charismatic, did some great jobs for like uh, the pe- pe- people that were, that were coming up higher on the card, was the first person to take a tombstone, almost broke his neck on that one. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And he also um, had one of the best finishes of that time in the like, late 80s. He was doing a brain buster. Something that you would more associate with, like, all Japan. And he would do it on people the size of, like, Iron Mike Sharp and stuff, like double his size. He's someone that, whenever the Hall of Fame stuff comes around, he his name always gets brought up as, oh, be K- 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 beware. But underrated, in my opinion. Moving on to, like, the Attitude Era. People seem to hate on Ahmed Johnson. And I think <laughs> Ahmed Johnson is brilliant fun. <laughs> Absolutely jacked. Probably had what one two-year period where he was genuinely potentially going to be brought up into the heavyweight title kind of scene. Didn't quite happen for him. But like for those two years, so much fun. And then unfortunately his knees were like biscuits by the end, which obviously slowed him down. But but like some of those matches that he had against Gold and Jarrett, people like that, um, had some absolutely brilliant matches. The Triple H match at King of the Rings, really good. Yeah. Underrated. you too or did you have a modern day one Russell thank you too uh modern day let's go with someone who people really oh mate my girl Nia Jax (laughs) people hate Nia Jax and I think she's brilliant and today actually I tweeted um the reaction that Bailey got at NXT TakeOver from that match in London against Nia Jax go back and watch that match if you think Nia Jax is rubbish go and watch that match brilliant she is brilliant. She's basically Vader, but a woman. Brilliant. Oh, my God. I re-watched recently the Women's Evolution Battle Royal with Nia Jax 1. Yeah. yeah. And she was really good in that as well. She was really good. Obviously, a few incidents have just led to a whole reputation, which is fair or unfair, depending on how you see it. But, yeah, I'm with you. I like big hosses just beating shit people.
0: My other pick I was going to say, if not Brock Lesnar's relating to that, is uh, actually I quite enjoy. I don't really know why. I really like watching Omos. I just, I just I'm just, i really entertained by him. And when he was going to have his debut at WrestleMania a couple of years back, I was, I was really looking forward to seeing this absolute giant wrestle because I just think it's quite a fun novelty.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, mate. Keep his matches short. Keep his matches fun. Easy. Yeah.
0: Another weird one as well that, I don't know if people dislike, but I actually um, was present for the very first entrance and match of uh, The Great Okan. Oh, mate. Was Referee I love, I love that. It was certainly an experience seeing that entrance because they'd advertised before this show that Sh- Shota was going to face a mystery guy. And obviously we had no idea who it was going to be. We were like, is it going to be like a massive name or just a, a complete random? And then we're all sat there waiting. And, and I think Shota was still a young boy at the time. So he comes out in just his, you know, his black gear and he's just stood there. And then this really weird song starts to play. And then this dude with a load of question marks on him comes down to the ring. And I don't think any of that Rev Pro crowd knew what to make of it, to be honest. But um, yeah, when he popped up on Dynamite, I might have been the only one. Me and Rob might have been the only two alive who who popped hard for that.
1: <laughs> so I
0: love the great Okan. He's great.
1: <laughs> I'm with you on Omos, uh, mate. I think you're spot on there, mate.
0: Yeah. I think putting in with
1: MVP is a great move as well. Like, really good. Yeah, MVP is great. Yeah. Did you get the chance to watch uh, Hell in a Cell?
0: I saw the main event.
1: The Omos-Lashley match. The crowd was so into it. They absolutely loved
0: Lashley. Oh, yeah, I did see that, because that was the one where Lashley grabbed that fan's belt afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I I saw bits of it, yeah. yeah.
1: The crowd was so into Lashley. I I loved it.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm always a... a Lashley guy. If you ever get me on for a solo one, I'll, I'll tell you the story. My <laughs> my long bond with Bobby Lashley. He was my guy in 2007, so. What a guy. Yeah.
1: He was actually in the military and like John Cena. Oh, shot. <laughs> was that like ECW's era or after ECW?
0: 2007, mate, yeah. The first time I saw Bobby Lashley was when Donald Trump announced him as his guy to face Umaga. And yeah. I just saw this absolute Adonis I'm like yo this guy's great and then he was you know moving around and doing spears and then I I got to watch him beat up Vince McMahon and I remember he had a match on pay-per-view against Cena and it was like this was like prime super Cena obviously Lashley didn't win but I really wanted him to win and then not long after Lashley got a bad injury and then before he came back he uh he left WWE so oh yeah 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 it was actually a really big moment for me when when Lashley won the title. I, 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 got quite, uh, I don't think many people got emotional when Bobby Lashley won the title, but uh, but yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, great moment. Matt, did you have people that you feel are overhated? Well, I've, as you, I've got a bit older, I've got a bit soft, and I feel like every wrestler is a bit overhated sometimes because most of them are really good. There's not, <laughs> there's, there's not many crap ones now, but the internet will still find problems. I suppose. The classic is obviously someone like an Orton, who I just yeah. I love. I'm with you and on I just, that. I know people don't like the rest olds. That's fine. I do. I like him. I love all the moves he does. <laughs> I, I can see others don't, but that's fine. I suppose in, um, in New Japan, so, and again, this depends on the circles you sort of follow on Twitter, and, but I find a lot of fans uh, don't seem to get with Goto, which is fine. I know his match quality can sometimes um, go up and down. But Goto is a wrestler that I, I still find very captivating and his best matches are up there with anyone's in New Japan. I mean, he's he's tough. He knows how to tell the story. I, I think he's an excellent professional wrestler. And I sometimes think people got overboard making the point because he's not as maybe as smooth or consistently delivering the five star matches of some of the others. Maybe a guy is quite similar to him in style like an Ishii who's a bit more high energy than Goto. Mm-hmm. Goto's a bit more paced. I think Goto's someone who gets a lot of stick. and sticking with the new Japan thing, think Tai Chi for a while, maybe it's slightly turning now. Tai Chi's a very good professional wrestler who played the hill perfectly. fans just never took to in the west um I think yeah. in Japan maybe they did, and they were on board a lot quicker, but over here I, Tai Chi used to get pelters and it got to the point the other day where Ross i don't know if you remember in the pub P Hitchcock called Tai Chi the best wrestler in New Japan, yeah. which i'm not going oh, wow. that far I'm not going that far, okay, <laughs> but I do think Tai Chi has his uh deserved his place at the table now in terms of top stars in New Japan. And I, I think for a while, people were, were against him. But again, that's just from the pocket I'm in. Someone else might say, no, Tai Chi and Go have always had love.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm kind of with you on that, to be fair. I mean, I've been on and off with New Japan, but I remember a few years ago, they, they, the Tai Chi matches used to always get stick. And then on the recent pay-per-view, his match with, um, was it Shingo he faced? Yeah. I really enjoyed that. It was really different. And I really enjoyed it. The same as I enjoyed Tanahashi and Goto. Obviously, we all knew Tanahashi was winning. I still thought it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Goto, Goto's probably had a banger with everyone on that roster at some point through the G1s. Yeah, definitely. Whenever I think of Goto, I think of that Wrestle Kingdom match where Suzuki choked him out in the corner. That was, that <laughs> yeah. was an image, wasn't it? Bloody yeah, That was awesome. He's, He's had good matches him. with everyone. I mean, um, the matches with Ishii back-to-back years in the G1, I think at least one of them got five stars of Meltzer. Just yeah. unbelievable. Is she driving the pace? Maybe that's why, but I love, Goto brings his worth to the match, slowing it down, like the moves, the crispness of which he hits those GTRs and stuff. Like they're absolute wars. I'd recommend them as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolute war horse in the ring. Someone who's, I guess, kind of similar to like someone like Seamus, who may not quite get the accolades that others do, but that's a good one. An absolute... I'll tell,
0: um, tell you who convinced me that Sheamus was really good and I started to listen to their opinion. It was actually you, Ross. Yes, mate. Because I, I was dead against Sheamus for a long time and then I started watching some of his stuff in the last year or so, really. Um, oh, yeah. And some of his matches with Drew were bloody brilliant. Yeah. The,
1: the recent one was Drew really amazing. good. Yeah. The match against Riddle at WrestleMania was brilliant. Yeah, that was fantastic. He's running the bar. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know Cesaro's in the bar And that's who the internet love. But 50% of that team He was, was
0: worth 50% in the ring I mentioned the Roar in Manchester that I was at Those two won the tag titles in the main event But I'm, I can't remember if it was shown on TV But they came out wearing Liverpool tops Because Sheamus is a Liverpool fan
1: Cesaro will <laughs> wear anything
0: <laughs> Yeah And then they won, the, they won the tag titles from I think it was Seth Dean Ambrose at the time but yeah, Seamus is Sheamus is really underrated. I've changed my tune on him in
1: the last few years. So uh, yeah, well done for that, Ross. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go one step further to like, I think like sometimes with a lot of these people, it's creative rather than what they're actually like as well. Like yeah. with, the, with the original example of Brock Lesnar, I think even a lot of the criticism he gets might be to do with booking or, or match even in match booking. Because like yeah. you said, when, when he's let loose and given something to chew on, he, he very rarely yeah. doesn't deliver. Yeah, so I think all of these guys and girls can go. It's just the case of what they're given sometimes. Like, I think Baron Corbin's a really good wrestler. He just hasn't had any super interesting storylines or he's had gimmicky ones. But I think yeah. he's a very good wrestler with a very pretty moveset.
0: That spot he does where he, he goes outside the ring, around the ring post and comes back in. I absolutely adore that spot. The I think it's so good.
1: Spot. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think it's such a good spot. The deep six and is lovely. The deep six is great. The end of days might be up there with like best finishes in WWE of this decade. And
1: he's doing a choke slam as well now.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's really good. Big up Robin. And he's happy now, so.
1: <laughs> so we go to the last round table. It's um, nicest interaction that you've had with a wrestler. I put this out to the Twitterverse, and we got lots of lovely messages. It's a real wholesome thread on that. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you wanted to start with some of them and then go to yours. What do you think about it? Yeah, I can't think of a particularly awesome one.
0: I think I actually replied to this tweet, to be honest. I've got a a few. I've been quite lucky, actually. The first wrestler I properly met (laughs) was actually Cody and Brandy. And obviously, I was terrified, because this was Cody... Yeah, he was in Ring of Honor at the time, so he, he was... Just about to like hit superstardom, if that makes sense. And he was really nice. He'd obviously he had the longest line by a mile, and yeah, he was really nice. My favourite one has to be when I met the box on my birthday. I think I tweeted this one to the guys Ross. Yeah. Um, to people who don't know, basically I went to a Ring of Honor show on my birthday. We got there quite early, which was good. It probably helped the box's mood. But I wore an Adam Cole t-shirt, which I think Nick Jackson had worn on a being the elite episode before that, and he liked that, and he was thankful that I'd come out to see them on my birthday and You know like you meet wrestlers and it's just like, "Hi, how are you photo go It was just yeah. nice to have a chat with them um, yeah. and like I, I was terrified meeting Cody, but chatting to the box, I was just really relaxed, and yeah, it kind of kept my faith in wrestling a little bit because i'm sure you guys, probably more than me of certain wrestlers aren't all the jacked up to be, but so when you meet people who are it's a uh, yeah, really quite refreshing. There's a, f- a funny story a friend of mine has as well when we were at a Ring of Honour show when um I don't think he realised, but he spoke to Nigel McGuinness and just asked him for, um not directions, but we wanted to get to a certain part of like the seating. And I think he just so <laughs> happened to ask whoever was nearby and it was Nigel McGuinness. It was only afterwards he realised it was Nigel McGuinness and not like a Nigel. random worker at the show. <laughs> but Nigel was lovely. He helped us out. He told us where to go. So shout out to Nigel.
1: Good guy. You're lucky that he didn't start asking you if you wanted to see a magic trick.
0: Yeah, you know. He <laughs> loved that one on the, um, the documentary on the network, didn't he?
1: Well, they do say once you join the Ring of Honor roster, any time, past or present, you do have to know the seating plan of every arena Ring of Honor run. So, <laughs> obviously. How about you, Matt? But do you know what? I've got none that are really anecdote worthy that I can think of off the top of my head. I I remember going to a meet and greet at that Raw that you said you're at Josh actually and met Nia Jax and Jason Jordan and they were both absolutely lovely. They were marvellous. So so at that end, yeah, and uh, the amount of progress shows I've been to, I can never remember a particularly bad interaction I've had with a wrestler. So I've been quite lucky. Have you been on any of the pods with wrestlers? I I was going to say, if they count, Nick Riley was a lovely man. He was nice, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh Really enjoyed chatting to Nick Riley. He would be my favourite of the wrestlers that I've had a chance to be on with. But yeah, in terms of real life interactions uh, in the flesh, uh, Dragon Novel's really nice on him, but none of these are beyond surface level. Ross, you, what's yours? I know that I, that, that I spoke about this on the one-on-one that I did with Don, but hands down, my, my favourite moment was when it was the chapter that it was announced that Axel Dieter Jr., who's now Ludwig Kaiser, previously Marcel Bartel. It was announced that he was off to the WWE and he did his match. I think he was against Haskins and he kind of um, came through the bar because his match was on like last after heading into the interval and he kind of walked through the crowd towards Mm us and we were all kind of like crowded around him and kind of told him how happy we were that he got the deal because we all felt he was worthy. And by the end, like just organically, everyone just started jumping up and down and kind of congratulating him. And, ra- and like, <laughs> rather than being freaked out by it and telling us to fuck off, he kind of just did what Ross does in Friends and just joined in the big like, <laughs> celebration. Um, cool. That was a lovely moment. But yeah, all of the stuff that we've done through the pod with wrestlers has definitely been a highlight as well. Most people are just absolutely lovely people that are just like, us that love pro wrestling and have gone on to make something of themselves through it so yeah like looking forward to many more did you want um, just some quite fun ones off Twitter just quickly yes Yes. yeah go on then so we've got being in a mosh pit with Gunter and Timothy Thatcher at a concert that sounds fantastic I wonder who it was (laughs) apparently it was a band called L-Storm who I've never heard of And it was fairly recently because it was Gunter, not Walter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nick Cook, who's mates with JCH, (laughs) says, being called a fishy wanker by Paige because I live near Grimsby. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Bushwacker Butch came up to me in the arena and he was walking to the ring and said, say hello to your mother for me. (laughs) 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 Cracking. Uh, Tony Bingus, who's been on the um, Dot Mastermind. With Billy Gunn, of course, his absolute favorite wrestler. He says, um, I hugged him like he was a long lost brother, and his embrace was magical. And there's a picture <laughs> of him uh, hugging him in the ring. Ross, was it Tony who put
0: the picture of him and Zach as well?
1: Yeah, him and Zach. Yeah, yeah. That's a cool photo, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that was cool.
1: Wrestling journalist Bill Shannon tweeted us saying uh, that he almost got into a fight at Hooters with the Patriot. Not sure <laughs> if he was going to swing, but he did get up from his bar stool, right? as the managers all intervened. That's don't not care. a fun interaction. <laughs> don't mess with the Patriot. Um, especially, especially in Hooters. Met Bob Backlund whilst in the Boy Scouts, and he wouldn't give an autograph unless you could recite the first 42 presidents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great tweet. <laughs> that
1: is outstanding.
0: <laughs> what a tweet. I don't even care if that's not real. That's a brilliant
1: tweet. <laughs> met Harley Race at a country bar. He talked wrestling with us all night, and I got a photo with him. Told him when I was a kid, I went to a show in KC when he wrestled Mr. Pogo in an ODQ match and he rubbed my hot dog wrapper covered in mustard in his face. Lovely. <laughs> nice. Chris says, MVP, WrestleMania 29 weekend, intimate setup. Called my friend a singer, but looking, not realising it was his actual son. So keep an eye on him. Lethal, gallows, knocks and others made it an incredible night of alcohol and stories. That's a good lot to be drinking with, I think. That's a heck of a party. <laughs> it's a crowd, isn't it? It's definitely a crowd. 2016 at the big event in Queens, I was talking with Ricky Morton when Robert Gibson rolled up and chopped me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see one without the other. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Stover said he met Hoggy Tonk Man at a small comic con here in Salem, Oregon. He was telling people mm. stuff about Hogan and how Hogan had fake hair like horse hair. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Davis says that he waited on Vader once in college. Such a cool dude. I served him cause lights with raw eggs dropped in them. Vader, absolute animal. I was about to say cause light. No, raw eggs in them. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Like I don't know know why
0: though, but that sounds like a very Vader thing to do.
1: (laughs) This is absolutely brilliant. If true, Dawn says, I spoke to Sammy Zane on that burner phone number that he had going a few months ago and he couldn't have been nicer. No. There's, no there's no way <laughs> there's no way that's true <laughs> i like that that gets a callback oh, dear. dawn if that's true that's amazing if it's true yeah i'll i'll badly apologize but i'm not having that <laughs> saw john cena at a supermarket i said hey what's up john and he gave me a nod and said what's going on man then he went back to picking out some cheese string
0: <laughs> <laughs> i've just remembered a very funny story that i witnessed it was at the time when I met Cody and the books were at another meet and greet table and um, a very small gentleman went up to meet the books and the books shouted Cody over and said, Cody, look, it's Hornswoggle.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> um,
0: a, I don't know why that's just come to me, but that was really, really funny. We've
1: got like just some like really nice ones like Susanna Schenk says, Christian just being genuinely kind guy over the past years. I've struggled mentally. With my mum passing, he's been so helpful and I appreciate that so much. Super lovely. That's cool. Not a heel, Christian. Not a heel. (laughs) (laughs) Another lovely one, uh, Nigel McGuinness on his retirement tour, sat with my mum and I in her care home and chatted with her for three hours. I messaged him to tell him that he meant a lot to my mum as he was a fave wrestler. I can never thank him enough. Oh, that is
0: lovely. Yeah, I told you Nigel's a nice guy. (laughs) Proper guy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Captain Dead Dad says probably seeing Brock Lesnar getting off the bus for a show in Belfast and he was smiling, actually bouncing about, signing out anything and everything and chatting to everyone. Matt Hardy was very forthcoming too. Someone that you didn't expect, I guess, like someone like uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, for sure. Those were all the comments. Let's just go for a few quote tweets. What's been your favourite so far, guys? Bob Backlund is a great one. Yeah, that was outstanding. (laughs) Not to say that the heartwarming ones aren't good as well, but Bob Backlund, if that's true, is fantastic. Uh, Thunderbolt Holt says, I punched Shane Douglas in the face at Toy (laughs) Ho. What? It was like a joke picture thing, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a cute one here of, um, I met Stratus for the first time and I legitimately froze. She then held my hands and told me to take all the time that I have in the world, breathe, and tell her everything that I wanted to tell her. Oh, well done, good. Trish. Yes. Oh, wow. Someone called Shooting Will Reform Me? Me and Mad Cat Moss spent 15 months in Syria with the YPG. We saw many great men die. I love him like a brother. Wow. Oh. Very different type of interaction then. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's end it on an old school one for you, Matt. Buddy Roberts, back in January '89, ran into him in Louisiana, right outside the airport. He was kayfabe all the way, telling me that he was going to end Michael Hayes's career. He had like 16 beers in his car. <laughs> <laughs> those are the best ones you're going to get if you go back to those days. Man. Those nutters with kayfabe. So hopefully uh, that all ran smoothly with the magic of. Thanks, Phil. shall we end it with one last uh, book of bingo? Let's.
0: B-I-N-G-O and bingo was his name Oh.
1: Okay. We've got a fun one. We've got Austin Aries against Funaki.
0: Oh, <laughs> so oh, one no. of these people I quite like; the other one, not so much. So,
1: okay, who's going first?
0: I'm gonna need time to think about this because I need to think about okay. how much I can bury our scenarios.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a quick one then. Just make an effort to fit yourself in. Boom, phrasing. Don't expect depth for this story. So uh, we're gonna set it in the modern day. We're gonna set it right now. It's control your narrative. <laughs> of course. And, uh, And Austin Aries is probably doing something really good in control your narrative right now, but I haven't seen any of it yet. So what is going to happen is he's going to veer direction. And Austin Aries is going to say that the the major wrestling promotions have been doing the wrong thing with talent for so many years and have not been respecting the great wrestlers of this world. And he gives Fanaki as the example. He says, look at Fanaki. What a talented guy Fanaki was. And he was watered down and reduced to being SmackDown's number one announcer. This guy was an incredible wrestler. He needs to control his narrative and show the world that he's actually the world's greatest and SmackDown's greatest number one wrestler. So he brings Fanaki in and he's like, right, Fanaki, you need to learn the ways of controlling narrative. And I think what they do is they go to that smelly looking gym where um, those lads that Jericho knocks around with now watch it like the two guys from the Muppets. Have you seen any control controlling narrative? i've not seen any of it (laughs) but you know who are those two lads that were in nxt and they with jericho oh 2.0 2.0 are like the two old men in the muppets in control your narrative (laughs) they're the best bit they are the best bit honestly they're hilarious they just go is this a match or is this a segment i don't know and like they just rip the shower what's happening (laughs) it's like so like inside baseball anyway so they bring Finocchi in and then he has to wrestle someone in, in the ring in front of all these people. And he just can't get it right, Finocchi. He's trying so hard to be this really good wrestler. And Austin is like, what are you doing? You were a brilliant wrestler over in Japan before the Dury ruined you. Control your narrative. Be better, Finocchi. And Finocchi <laughs> just can't get it right. He keeps getting slapped around. He's a little old now. He's not as good a wrestler. And these young guys, they're just schooling him at the wrestling. So he's backstage and he gets chatting with some of the other guys. EC3, Adam Sher. And he realizes that he's actually really good at talking to these guys. And he's actually probably Control Your Narrative's number one announcer. So he starts reverting back to the role and Fanocchi's very happy again. And Austin Aries is like, no, you can't do that. You're a wrestler, Funaki. And he, and he basically gets so fed up. Funaki's getting so popular being Control Your Narrative's number one announcer. And Austin Aries gets very jealous. He says, no, you're meant to be a wrestler. He beats the shit out of Finocchi. And he challenges him to a loser leaves Control Your Narrative match. And because it's Austin Aries, he probably gets the ump about the way the match is booked and doesn't turn up for it. So Funaki wins. (laughs) I love the fact that you've changed his name into Funaki, which which, which, um, includes the word fun better than Funaki. So I'm into that. that. Apologies to Funaki Funaki (laughs) for my bad pronunciation of your name. (laughs) Don't think that has anything to do with my love for you. You're great. I'm pretty sure that you've booked Austin is um departure from CYN entirely correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, can you beat Matt's booking?
0: Um absolutely not, but um because <laughs> that was quite the storyline. So my one's a bit more straightforward. It's not as quite in-depth as that. Pretty much masterpiece, really. It probably would be the best storyline in control your narrative history. So I'm going to try and caveat this by saying I don't really like Austin Aries, and I do quite like Fanaki. So obviously this is quite a weird matchup and the one place where you do see these weird matchups is over WrestleMania weekend. You see all sorts of bizarre matches. I remember one year they did like Scott Steiner versus Hornswoggle and stuff like that. So we're going into WrestleMania weekend and Funaki, the big talk around WrestleMania weekend is that Funaki's going into the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame, and when this is announced, Austin Aries on Twitter because he likes to, you know, speak his mind and he has his interesting views, he just does a tweet and it's just absolutely hammering Funaki and it's saying how much wrestling's a joke, it's half plug-in control your narrative and it's half real anyway, Funaki replies back to this and he's quite kind and, you know, he respectfully challenges him, you know, to, you know, a meetup, just as, you know, just to chat. But Otten sees this as like, he challenges him to a fight. Uh, and anyway, they go back to the forwards on Twitter and stuff. And then um, one time when Finoki is doing his, um, I'm not sure if he still does the Japanese announcing for WWE, but we're going to pretend that he does. Anyway, very much in the path of, or similar to when Enzo was legitimately in the crowd at Survivor Series. Austin Aries is going to be in the crowd at the um, WWE show, say just before WrestleMania. Um, and he's going to like shoot attack Funaki. And you're going to think it's real. It's not really, but everyone's going to think it's real. And they're going to, you know, take him out of the arena. And basically, over WrestleMania weekend, Funaki does all these appearances because he's going in the Hall of Fame. And every single one, Austin Aries is there. Austin Aries is following him. No one's quite sure if it's real or if it's fake. And it gets to the point where Funaki is this, you know, he's a nice guy. He actually starts to get annoyed and people really aren't sure if it's real or if it's fake. or Because, you know, no no one likes Austin Aries, so everyone assumes that he's just going to business for himself. So we get to the Hall of Fame um, and Finaki's going to do his speech. And um, there's talk, is Austin Aries there? Is he not there? So this is the part of the story where it goes a little bit off the rails, but I think I'm already there. After Funaki has done his speech and he goes backstage and they have the photo, Austin Aries jumps in the way and he won't let Funaki have his um, his photo, you know, to hang on his wall and stuff. And everyone gets the photo of them in the ring and Triple H and the other guy, the old guy. So basically, during the Andre Battle Royal at WrestleMania, Funaki comes out. He's in the Battle Royal. That's his, you know, his, his send-off uh, WrestleMania, he's in the Hall of Fame. And basically, as Funaki's about to win the Battle Royal, um, Austin Aries jumps the crowd, jumps the barricade, and um, everyone's really confused and stuff. And so there's Funaki left, and there is also the other guy in Kai and Tai. Was it Taka? Yeah. So I don't know if you all recall the 2000 Royal Rumble, but during that match, Kai and Tai came in because they weren't actually in the match. And one of them, I think it was Taka, took an absolutely horrible, horrible bump onto the, uh, the floor. And so for, for those niche wrestling fans who remember the year 2000 and that Royal Rumble, Austin Aries tries to absolutely launch Taka out the ring because Taka's come in to try and help his long-lost friend Finaki. So Austin Aries absolutely launches Taka over the ropes. And he turns around and he thinks he waves his hand, he's cheering. But this time, because Taka's learned in the past 22 years, that if you fly over the ropes, it hurts. So this time he's hung on. And basically, this time, Taka comes in. He helps Funaki get rid of Austin Aries. And the big payoff is at WrestleMania on the pre-show. And Kung Funaki is not just a Hall of Famer, but he wins the coveted Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy.
1: Lovely, mate. There was a saying that it wasn't developed storyline, and he went longer than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was It was a good payoff, so I can't, can't moan about Limp. I thought mine was going to be brief for two, and it went a bit, so... <laughs>
0: I was struggling halfway through I'm not (laughs) going to lie
1: I think both of you are worthy winners and I'm going to call it a time limit draw oh okay I
0: thought Max was was particularly good and possibly more realistic but um, no no no
1: you're doing yourself a disservice there Josh it was a very good effort as well the draw's fair (laughs) thanks mate thanks mate (laughs) so you're both out (laughs) also um in terms of kind type, weren't Dick Togo in it for a bit as well at first he was yeah, yeah. Throw, throw Dick Togo in he could yeah. celebrate at the
0: end as well with the the trophy
1: <laughs> so yeah um, a time limit draw to end on my 50th episode thanks for everyone for listening Matt is there anything that you wanted to plug or or Josh no Josh you go ahead mate
0: uh, well I've got my I say wrestling blog nobody's com. I do odd posts every now and then I did one about CM Punk before the pay-per-view and then I did one about in another topic one about Carlo Ancelotti and then Real Madrid won the Champions League and then Punk won the AW title so I was quite sure for myself so I look quite clever then. I'm currently doing one where I as I mentioned on the previous podcast my therapy for WWE booking is to play on their um, computer game so I um, am doing like each like episodic um, universe mode on the game They call it where you basically book the matches and stuff and i tell people what i've done and that's quite fun in the future i'm gonna do something where kind of an interesting concept where i use wrestling analogies and compare them to other worlds like the emperor in star wars i want to do a blog about why i think he's like the best heel ever and try and compare it to wrestling and, and try and have some fun with that but uh yeah much like in the same vein as you guys i quite like to present just stuff that i enjoy about wrestling so go and check that out everyone
1: Will do, mate. Will do. Um, And thanks a lot for coming on. You can find us on Instagram at Wrestling Should Be Fun, on Twitter at WSBFUN. (laughs) Always hard to (laughs) say that one. We just hit 15,000 followers. So thanks to everyone who follows us on there and for interacting on the likes of the uh, nice stories uh, featuring a wrestler. Always enjoy um, hearing people's stories and tales and opinions. And people try and keep it as positive as possible, which is great. So, yeah. That was my 50th episode. Uh, Matt, did you want to say goodbye? I will attempt to. I'm holding a cough at the moment. One second. (coughs) There it is. There we go. Excellent. Giving it a little intro as well. Drink lots of water and look after your friends.
0: Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.